In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing the 2007 Neosho First Congregational Church shooting. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, The 2007 Neosho First Congregational Church Shooting. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible. This verse is Proverbs 18, verse 19, and it reads like this. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. So we're going to be talking about this shooting today, and one of the characteristics of the killer is that he was a type of person that held grudges and felt like he was not given the the, the uh, accolades, the, the credit for things that had, had gone on in his community. And this festered in him to the point where it ended up in murder. And so before I kind of get into that, I want to talk to you about our safety member training record um, it's our offer for this podcast. Go check it out. We've talked about it before. If, if nothing else, get a copy of it to look at it and see what kind of recommended training that we have and would really give your team uh, a, a very comprehensive type training. So make sure you check that out. So this shooting here, um, I'm going to be doing some reading here just because I want to make sure I get the details right on this. So for you watching on YouTube, I'm sorry that I'll be looking down and not at you. But uh, if you listen to the details, that's what's important, right? So on August 12, 2007, um, the Sunday afternoon service at the First Congregational Church of Neosho, Missouri, was interrupted when a man who had a family there, but he himself was not a member, shouted for attention. Not to be ignored, he, sh he fired two shots from a handgun into the ceiling. Now that all eyes turned to him, he ordered his family and all the children to leave the sanctuary. He then shouted, liars, liars. Um, members tried to calm him down, and then he shot the pastor and, and two deacons. Five more people were wounded. Somebody called 911 and the Neosho police came. When they arrived, the, the killer had rounded up 20, uh, about 20 people, 20 of the members, and held them hostage, basically at gunpoint, threatening to shoot them. Um, police negotiated, you know, got his police negotiator got in there, started talking to him to get him calmed down, and ultimately, he released the hostages and surrendered himself. So little is known about the shooter other than that he was married and had two children. Um, we don't know. Um, we do know that he held some grudges. Apparently, um, he had been at the Neo Show, which is the name of the city, longer than many others. And he often complained of the ingratitude for him helping them get a footing in this town while others got the credit. So th this community was of a, a Pacific Asian descent that arrived in this town, and they were kind of a community within the community, um, you know, in that area. And so 
he felt like since he had been there longer than anyone else that he should be the one that getting all the accolades and all the you know the data boys for bringing that community with to that community and in in the United States but anyway he felt like he wasn't seen as that community leader um, that he felt like he should be uh, not long before that Sunday um, he felt that he had been shamed um, because he came to a barbecue and he didn't bring any food and so apparently some people made some comments about him just showing up and taking food for his family and not contributing to this little potluck is what we call it here in in Minnesota or pot blessing some churches like to call it um, then two days before that two days before the shooting I mean so on the Friday a 14 year old girl a relative possibly his niece helped him uh, who, who helped with housework displeased him by using his car without permission so he punished her with sexual abuse um, and so now you kind of see what's going on here you got a guy that holds grudges thinks he's of higher or should be considered of higher status or higher station than other people and then on the Friday before the shooting he molests his what is likely his niece for using the car now he ultimately gets charged for statutory rape so we're not talking inappropriate touching here we're talking um, intercourse um, rape um, so then he started to feel like this so this happens on a Friday and he starts to perceive that the church and the church leaders know about this and are talking about this and slandering him and so when he goes there later when he's talking to police um, he says uh, that he thought he was being slandered and that was his motive for interrupting the church service so he could set them straight and so see what's going on in this guy's mind how he thinks how he um, you know we, we see character flaws here and I'll get into those character flaws a little bit more when we talk about lessons learned um, the aftermath was a church split basically the church split into two you had the Pacific you know Asian Pacificers started their own church the other church the original church where the shooting occurred um, it ultimately collapsed and closed and um, while the, the Pacific uh, people stayed in their own church after that. Twelve and a half years later, in February of 2021, a state representative introduced a bill in the Missouri legislature to allow concealed carry of weapons in places of worship. In his remarks, he cited the 2007 shooting. And so, the lessons learned. The most blaring thing to me, I guess, is I, I'm gonna I'm gonna balance this, but let me first say this. Can you see how the presence of a trained person with a firearm could have stopped this from occurring? Because you have the bad guy coming into the church. He's yelling and screaming, right? Demanding attention. He fires two shots off. 
now he's telling his family, because he doesn't want to hurt his family, and the children to leave. Now we have additional time as those people leave the sanctuary. And then you have people engaging him verbally before he shoots pastor and two other deacons and wounding five more. Somebody with a firearm could have stopped this at different points. I would say, in my humble opinion, that as soon as, you know, when he starts yelling, that's one thing, right? Now we're kind of talking on the radio. We're saying, hey, we have a disturbance in the sanctuary. Maybe you have um, people in plain clothes that are part of your safety ministry, safety team in that congregation. They're now moving into position, um, you know, to be more strategic, moving into position where they're going to have a clear line of sight. And they're going to have, you know, maybe an empty backstop, you know, someplace where the bullets won't shoot into a crowd. Then he pulls out a gun and he shoots two rounds. At that point, we have all three, we have all three um, elements, components to active shooter situation, right? Well, of a deadly force situation. He stated his intent, or at least demonstrated his intent by his yelling and shooting into the ceiling. He certainly has the means to do it, right? He's got a firearm. In fact, another article I read, he actually had three firearms. He had two revolvers and then a nine millimeter semi-automatic. And so now he's done that. Now does he have the opportunity? Yes, everybody's downrange. The whole congregation, minus his family and children, are downrange. And so using deadly force at that time, would have been correct in my in my opinion though I don't give legal advice um, and so a guy with a firearm could have stopped this the other thing that I'd like to bring up and it certainly would have even if you were afraid and didn't do anything um, certainly when you're being held hostage by a guy with a firearm once again maybe that at that point also you could shoot him but anyway so the other thing that we need to look for is we need to look, be aware of what I'm going to call negative character traits. Now, just because a person has any of these negative character traits doesn't mean that they're going to be an active killer one day. But it does mean that this is a person that needs to be watched and or helped. So some of those negative character traits is that kind of for lack of a better term, has kind of that God complex. I should be recognized. I should be seen. I should be celebrated. All you people should see, you know, should revere me as somebody of, of importance. When people have that basic character trait, it, it is kind of that God complex. And when things, when they're not given the their due, as they would probably put it, then they become angry. And as they become angry and their behaviors start to come out, you know, negative behaviors, comments, things like that, these are warning signs. And you can watch people to kind of get a sense of where that intensity level is and is that intensity level growing in them. Hopefully it's being addressed and this person's getting help or getting counseling or something to that effect. His grandiose ideas of himself also resulted in the, the sexual assault of a 14-year-old. And so 
Think about where your mind has to be. Now, I'm not just talking perversion, and I'm not talking necessarily pedophilia, though that's all part of it. But this is definitely a power play, right? He's, he, you know, she did something wrong by taking his car. Now he's going to exert his power and authority over here. This, this more, um, this more relates to actual rape, you know, violent rape than it actually does pedophilia, even though the child was 14 years old. And it fits into his kind of personality profile, right? It's like, how dare you question me? How dare you do me wrong? How dare you talk about me? I should be able to do what I want when I want. I don't need to contribute to the barbecue. I don't need to, you know, contribute at the church. But, you know, I shouldn't have to do anything more than what I did, and that's move to this town and everyone should celebrate me. So you kind of see that. Also, too, holding a grudge. As his expectations aren't being met, he's getting angrier and angrier and angrier. I mean, this is the kind of guy who's got a list of enemies, you know, <laughs> written down or in his head, right? they got a list of enemies, people that need to be taken down. The position of authority. His involvement with the church was actually not very... It was kind of was not steady. It was his family that went there, and so he started to get these ideas that it's the pastor, it's the deacons, these people of evil, and um, they don't say in the story. In fact, they suggest in the story that while he felt like they were talking about him and what happened that previous Friday, it's unlikely that the pastors or the deacons even knew about it. Because something that happens on Friday, you know, unless there's a lot of communication that happens quickly, you know, it's not getting to them. And certainly, you know, most churches, and or you would hope most churches, when they learn something like that, it doesn't become a gossip mill where it's getting spread around. So anyway, those are kind of the two takeaways there. Number one, man, I support having firearms in a church. Trained people. Um, untrained people scare me just like they scare you. <laughs> our teams need to get to the range. We need to train. We need to be experts in our chosen weaponry and um, because of situations like this. And so we need to be prepared for that. The other thing is this, is we need to be paying attention to undercurrents of, of anger, of... Um, you know, God complexes of the complainers. Now, you know, all of us have probably had jobs at some point and we worked with people that were complainers and they just complain all the time and they didn't seem like they were happy unless they were complaining. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to become violent, but those are the kind of people, those are the kind of people we're watching because how long before they snap? Not, not, not everyone will snap, but some will, and so we need to be paying attention to that. Um, a church I went to one time, there was a guy that was a complainer, and he was always complaining about the pastors. He was complaining about their sermons. He complained about the worship service. He complained about how the business side of the church was running. He complained, I mean, this guy could not stop complaining and um, had a very wise pastor that got, got with the elder board they discussed it, and um, a couple of them made contact with him to talk about what was going on, and um, 
And then ultimately, you know, they kind of tried to do that church discipline thing. You know, it's one-on-one at first, and then it's a, you know, then it's a witness. And then it was being brought before. It didn't get to the point where they announced it to the church. Um, But they sat down with him as an elder board, a select few, sat down with him at some point and had a discussion about his attitude. And... um, and I think there was a lot of wisdom in that. And some of that is going to be our responsibility as the safety ministry, not to sit down with them, but to making sure that we're having relationships with people and we're having contact with the congregation. And if we identify these things, we start watching it. And as we start seeing it, then we need to put it up the chain of command so that can be addressed. Now, would that have stopped this shooting? I don't know. I mean, none of us really know. You know, it's the woulda, coulda, shouldas that may have done, may have not done anything, right? It might have not changed anything. You know, sometimes suicide can be that way where you can do a lot of things, but if a person is is committed to that action, um, they're going to do that action. Now, that's not to say we don't try. We always try. You always try. And that's what we're doing here and hopefully in our churches. We're trying to identify these people and get them the help they need so it doesn't turn violent. So so that's a kind of heavy one. It's pretty sad. I mean, three dead, um, five other people injured. Obviously, the church split, um, and one of those churches, one half, totally falling apart later. It's, It's a sad, sad thing. So before I let you go, I do want to remind you of our safety member certification. We're getting close to our next, um, our next, our spring semester. We're actually doing some work behind the scenes. And uh, once that's all done and we're, we're ready to go, we already have the next schedule set for as far as when we're going to open up enrollment and, and when you can get in. But that shouldn't stop you. If you're interested now in getting part of that program, either as an individual or your team, the good thing is is this, is you can jump in basically at any time, and you're still going to be presented with the materials that are part of our certification. So please check that out if you haven't already. Other than that, finally, if you like this video, please like, share, comment, interact with it. It really helps us out. We've had a couple of nice little conversations back and forth. Recently, we had a discussion, somebody questioning the um, uh, the use of defensive spray, and we talked about how defensive spray is not perfect. It's not perfect. We do, we do not have any perfect weapon at our disposal, except maybe prayer and trust in God. But other than that, thank you so much for joining us this week, and hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.